0: Hey guys, Pastor Bear here. Welcome to the podcast for Real Church. We meet every Sunday at 1115 a.m. at the Worship Center on the campus of Central Christian School in Sherpsburg. You can also check us out online at www.realchurchcowita.com or jump on Facebook at Real Church Cowita. I hope you enjoy this week's message. you think about the book of Matthew, you should think about what? What? I didn't hear you. King. Matthew wanted you to see Jesus as the king, the king. And so all of the references of Matthew, a lot of them point to, a lot of them point to him being king. And that's important to the day's message because what Matthew comes, I mean, what Matthew writes about Jesus is that Jesus comes up on a hill. And he starts teaching people. And we've looked at the Beatitudes, the proclamations of how we are to live. Now we get to the next part where he says, hey, listen. Here's what he says, starting in verse 13. You are the salt of the earth. But what good is salt if it has lost its flavor? Can you make it salty again? It will be thrown out and trampled underfoot as worthless. You are the light of the world, like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden, No one lights a lamp and then it's put under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all those who see, so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. I was not aware that salt could lose its saltiness. Were you guys aware of that? Did you guys know that? I thought, you know, salt is a chemistry teacher. Salt cannot lose its saltiness, right? That, that, that can't be. What is Jesus even talking about? What in the world is he talking about? You know, salt, I, I, it's funny, I talked to the chemistry teacher here uh, at Central the other day and I started talking to him about this very thing and, and he was like, no, no, no. And so we started having a discussion of exactly what Jesus was talking about. Well, let me explain to you what he's talking about. I know that when you and I think about salt, we think about Morton salt, the blue can, right? The blue can. That's what we think about. It's white in a blue can, and Jesus said, and I'm sure that everyone back in Jesus' day, they had one of those blue cans up in their pantry, right? It would, it, they would go get it, and they were like, oh, let me see here, and they pulled the little silver tab, right? It was, you know what I'm saying? And then you would push, you know, dump, that's what you think about, right? <clears throat> that's not what Jesus is talking about, and that's not how they used salt. Back in his day. Let me explain to you how they would use salt. So very, very little of the salt would come in pure form. Uh, Most of the time it would be rock salt, but even that salt was not in pure form. And what they would do is, is they would go to the salt marshes, and they would get this that appeared to be something like salt. And they would try to purify that, and they would use that as salt. But here's the issue. Whenever, whenever it got wet, the salt would leak out of it and eventually it would become just this clump of nothingness. And so, but the clump of nothingness had a a, a job too. They would actually take the clump of nothingness, throw it on the ground on the street, and whenever, whenever people would walk over it, it would make the ground harder. That's what he's talking about. He's not talking about Morton salt. Now, they would use it for all kinds of things. They would use it for food. They would use it for all kinds of stuff. They used it just like we do a lot today. They used it for all kinds of stuff. But whenever he says salt that is lost its saltiness, he's talking about this mixture that they would get from the salt marshes that they would use. And that once it it got wet, it would eventually, the salt, actually the flavor would leak out. Most of it would leak out, and they would literally throw it where it could be, what the Bible says, trampled underground. That's what he's talking about when he talks about salt. It wasn't pure salt. It was a salt-type formula, mostly found near the Dead Sea. That's what, that's what he's talking about when he talks about salt. How does that affect us? You know, this morning I, I told her, we always meet. We started meeting behind, or there's a room right back there, and we meet and we pray and I told our people, I said, I don't know what God wants me to do today. I can just tell you this. All he's been telling me all morning is, is you can't give what you don't have. You can't give what you don't have. Now, you guys may think, well, that's interesting because I don't have any money, so I'm not going to give. <laughs> well, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about something different. You can't give what you don't have. Today, I'm going to challenge you to be salt and light to people. But I, wanna, I want to encourage you and tell you this. You can't, you can't be salt and light unless you can't be salt and light to someone else, unless you already have salt and light within you. Are you with me? You can't do that. It's impossible. Now, there's nothing worse to me than fake salt. Has anybody ever tried that fake salt stuff? Garbage. It's garbage. It really is. There's nothing worse than fake salt. Nothing. And so, and it's interesting because I had this idea. In our neighborhood, there's all these homes, and they have, they have these lights that go, like, up on their homes, and it makes their homes look really nice, all right? It, look, it makes, looks all highfalutin, to be honest with you. Like, whoa, nice. All these homes. And I decided, you know what? I want to do that to our house right up until I saw how much it cost. And I decided that our house looked appropriate just like it was. But here's the situation. I, I actually got on Amazon, where everything else in life is, on Amazon. I got on Amazon, and I looked up for these lights. And there was these lights that were, oh, my gosh, they're so awesome. They're, first, they're solar. They're solar lights. And, and they, are, they are literally, they, they last up to five years. You put them right beside your home, and they light. And there were Pictures. Amazon had pictures of these homes that were lit up just like the homes in my neighborhood. And I ordered those suckers. And I put those suckers out. It literally looked like someone was holding a lighter up on my house. There was one little bitty thing, and I was like, what is this? What is this? This was fake. There's nothing worse than fake light and fake salt. You can't, listen, you can't give what you don't have. You can't give what you don't have. And so today, as I'm talking about this, I want you to remember in your mind, you can't give what you don't have. You can't. I want to challenge you today before we even start. I want to challenge you today before we even start to do this. Listen, it is difficult. It is difficult. To be a follower of Jesus. It is. And if anybody says, oh, no, it's not. There's, oh, my gosh, I just, you know, no. Then you're not, li- if you think it's easy to be a follower, then you're not being a follower. I'm just being, I'm being completely honest with you. It is difficult to be a follower of Christ. There's too much temptation. Listen, just the fact that you drive down the freeway with people. Other people who obviously are not followers of Jesus, just because you do that tells me that it's difficult to be a follower of Jesus. It's difficult to do that. It's very difficult. What you have to do and what I have to do is we have to embrace the challenge. We have to embrace the challenge of change. We do. The truth is, is that most of us will never embrace the challenge of change. A lot of us will never embrace that challenge. If you embrace that challenge, what you end up understanding is, is that you don't have to work at all to be salt, and you don't have to work at all to be light, because you've embraced the challenge, and the challenge is, is will you allow God to change you from what you used to be to what he wants you to be? That's the challenge. Will you allow him to change you from what you used to be to what he wants you to be? It's interesting, someone posted a picture, back in 1981, uh, my brothers, my brother, my dad coached, and my brothers went to the World Series. Uh, back then in baseball, and I don't know if they do this anymore, but back then in high school baseball, they had a World Series, and they would actually, they, they, you had to go all the way to the state, and you would win the state championship, then you would go out to Texas, uh, at Stephen F. Austin College was the host, and they would host the World Series, and they had teams from all over the country. And that's what that that's that was kind of the deal. Someone posted this past week, someone posted a picture, a picture of the World Series in 1981, and there I was sitting there with a big group of people. Have you guys ever seen a picture of yourself when you were little? Have you ever thought about that? Have you ever seen that picture? Herbert's really not that funny. I mean, did you see the picture online too? Because it it was funny of me. (laughs) Have you ever seen a picture of yourself when you're little? Kind of funny, huh? Kinda funny. It really is kind of funny, but can I tell you something? If I'm being completely honest with you, that picture of me made me sad. It made me sad because I I remember my thoughts then. I remember my insecurities. I remember my struggles. I remember, I remember what I thought. I remember what I thought of myself. I remember, I remember how how I viewed the world. I remembered everything in there. And here's the saddest part. I'm 48 years old. And I'm still dealing with some of the same stuff that I dealt with when I was 9 years old, 10 years old. That picture brought me back. Have I made progress in some? I have. Have I still made it to where God wants me to be? I have not. I have not. I suspect that you haven't either. I suspect that you haven't either. You can't give what you don't have. God wants us to be salt and light. I want you to know the first thing about salt and light is this we give the world an example of purity. That's one of our jobs, is to give the world an example of purity. Purity of what? Purity of life. Purity of living. Just purity. Purity of life. Being honest. Not lying to people, but being honest. Going above and beyond and giving the example of this is how Jesus would do it. You know, <clears throat> yesterday we were at uh, the Tennessee game in Gainesville, the longest three hours of my life, um, that I will never get back, um, but I've decided that it's unbiblical to talk about football in church, so I won't be talking about it anymore this season, all right, um, unless we beat Georgia or Alabama, then we'll talk. Uh, no, listen, I, I, which I know is not even reality, so <laughs> you and I both know ain't going to be no talking, So, but listen, um, I, was, I was there and I, I gave the lady, uh, no, we, we were actually driving uh, back and we got some, we stopped at a little snack place and got some fruit and stuff like that. And, and I, the lady said, that's $6. And I was like, man, we got $6 worth of drinks. You know, Blake got a Coke, Blake got some kind of drink, and Wendy and I got Coca Cola's. And I was like, there's no way, because we had fruit and all kinds of other stuff. And I looked at her and I said, is that correct? And she was like, uh, yeah, yeah. I said, uh, is that correct? And she was like, oh no, wait a minute, I forgot all the fruit. And she rang it up again, and she looked at me. I don't know if my family caught this, but she looked at me shocked. What kind of person? And I'm not saying I'm some kind of, you know, whatever. I'm not some kind of, you know, saint or anything. But she looked at me, and she was like, man, it's $11 and something. I said, there you go. Thank you so much. She was surprised. Why is that? Because most people, you know what they'd have done? People that aren't followers of Jesus, they'd have said, all right, cool, thanks, and walked out and said, dude, we just got that stuff for free. That's what a lot of people would do. That's the example we're supposed to be. You know, Wendy jumped right in there with me. No, no, I don't think that's right. (laughs) I don't think that's right. Now, I'm not boosting myself up. I'm just being honest with you. It's what happened. But I'll tell you this. Other people, you've done the same thing. I've talked to you about it. I have. Salt and light, purity. You know where this comes from? There's a scripture in Ezekiel chapter 16. Can we pull that scripture up? It says, on the day you were born. Now, this is, listen, this is Ezekiel giving prophecy to Jerusalem. On the day you were born, no one cared about you. Your umbilical cord was not cut, and you were never washed. You were never washed, rubbed with salt, and wrapped in cloth. None of that happened. And you guys may be thinking, what are you talking about? Let me tell you what he's talking about. He's telling Israel that God is the only God. God is the only God first, and that God is the one that cares about you. If it wasn't for God, no one else cared about you. Can we bring that scripture back up here? And I want to show you, your umbilical cord was not cut. You were never washed, rubbed with salt, and wrapped in cloth. What does that mean, rubbed with salt? Let me tell you what it means. Back then, because of their arid uh, temperatures, they would actually take this mixture of salt with a newborn, they would cut the umbilical cord, they would wash the baby, and they would take salt and rub it on the skin of the baby to purify the baby. And they would wrap it up in the same sense, they would wrap it in swaddling cloth, they would wrap it up and hold it, but they would have salt on the baby because they believed that it purified them. That's exactly what Jesus is talking about here. He's talking about us being purified. You are the salt. You're the purifier. You're the purifier of the world. It's your example. It's who you are as a person that is to purify the world. When the world says, does it this way, you take the higher road and do it the better way. That's what he's talking about. He's talking about purifying. You know what else salt does? It's a preservative. They would use salt as a preservative and as a purifier. And we do the same thing a lot today. Can I tell you something? My dad used to love, and it was kind of disgusting. My dad, I didn't like it. My dad used to love country ham. Country ham. Now, country ham is basically this. A piece of ham with five gallons of salt on it. That's what it is. it is. It. It's not good, Herb. It's awful. <laughs> but that's what it is. It's, it's literally that salty. My dad would even go on. He would, my dad would take the grease, and you're probably wondering, wow, is, is that why he died by 59? Probably. He, he would take the grease from the country ham and make red-eye gravy, which is literally death in a bowl. <laughs> All right? That's what it is. And so... But this country ham, what the, the process they would use to do it, they would cure it up, they would put salt, wrap salt all around, wrap it around, and they would hang it to dry. And that was, it was a preservative. And when you would cut it up, you would taste it so much. My mom would want to boil it. She would want to boil some of it and to get the that strong. My dad said, no, no, you better cut that thing up and throw it in the frying pan. So that's and my mom is still living, and my dad, sorry. But but that's kind of what would happen. It's a preservative. They would put salt around the meat because it preserved it for longer back in these days. Can I tell you something? Salt is a purifier, and we're to purify. Salt is also a preservative. We are to preserve. We are to preserve the world. We're to preserve those around us. We're to preserve those around us. He expected us to preserve those around us. Why is that? Well, because, as the board says back there behind me, we bring life to the world. I'm going to tell you a little secret. I think I've shared this with you before. When we were at camp one time, a friend of mine, who is still friends with me today, he was talking about coffee. He loves coffee. And He loves coffee so much that he would stop by this little store every day to get this coffee, and he said it was the best coffee he's ever drank. So finally, he talked to the lady and said, I got a question for you. What kind of coffee are you using? And she said, Folgers. I'm using Folgers. And he was like, I use Folgers. She said, he said, let me see it. And she got out the big old red thing of Folgers. This is it. And he was like, "Uh." he said, you have the smoothest coffee It's so smooth. And he said, she said, oh, I I, I can tell you why. And he said, what are you doing? She said, I take a little salt, and I put just a little bit of salt on the top. And she said, what that does, and what salt does, is it pulls the bitterness out of the coffee and makes it very smooth. Can I tell you something? We've got a coffee maker at home, and I can make a single cup of coffee, and I take just a little bit of salt, just a little bit, Just enough to come, I don't do like this. Just a couple of taps, and guess what it does? It takes the bitterness out of the coffee and makes it much more smooth. Why is that? Well, here's why. Chemically speaking, do you know what salt does to your food and why it makes it taste so good? Salt neutralizes the bitterness in your food so that you can savor the other flavors. That's what salt does. That's what salt does. Have you guys ever went to a restaurant and they had this big old fat steak? You know what I mean? This big old fat steak. And you're getting ready to eat that big old fat steak. And it looks so good. And you take that first bite and it tastes like a shoe leather. I'm talking about it has no flavor. It has nothing. You guys ever had that happen? I found oftentimes when that happens, it's because there's no seasoning on it. There's no salt on it. There's no salt to to, to pull out the flavors. My family loves my French fries. They do. They love my French fries. And I don't tell them the secret, but they're going to know today, and they can start cooking their own. So what is the secret to a great French fry? Let me tell you. We used to bake our French fries. We used to do that, all right, because we were communists. We no longer do that. We're Americans now. We fry that sucker. So we don't eat it very often, but when we eat French fries, I always, when Wendy says, cook the French fries. So I cook the French fries. Well, what I do is, is when it, the second I take them up out of the grease, the second I do, I salt them right then. And I let them, I let them sit. What, do I, what am I doing? Why am I doing that for? Well, can I tell you? The salt then will cling to the French fry. You guys ever notice if you're at a restaurant, and they hadn't salted the fries or something, and you put it on it, and the salt all goes through. That's what happens. But if you dash it on there right when it comes out of the oil, it actually clings to it. And guess what it does at that point? It pulls the flavor. It pulls the flavor out. Can I tell you guys something? You guys are supposed to be flavor to your friend's life. And I'm not talking about sour either. And I'm not talking about bitter. I'm talking about you guys are you guys are not supposed to be... One of those things they used to have, Sour Patch. You're not supposed to be Sour Patch kids, all right? Y'all are supposed to be Jolly Ranchers. Are you with me? Are you with me? Y'all are supposed to be Peeps. Are you with me? You guys are supposed to be Flavors. You're Flavors, if you don't like Peeps, sorry. You're you're supposed to be Hershey Candy Bars. You're you're supposed to be Flavor to your friends. You're supposed to Flavor their lives. Listen, your attitude... How you you relate to things and your attitude is to flavor their lives. And you and I both know that there are people in your life, even right now, that when you look at your phone and you see that they're calling, you dread answering that phone. And if you don't know anyone like that, you are that person. (laughs) You know you have that in your life. Why is that? Because when you answer the phone and you say hello, all you hear is this. And that is the suck coming out of your life that they are doing. They're sucking the life out of you. Why is that? Because they don't flavor your life. They don't. Everything they say is negative. Listen, Jesus here is saying this. You are worthless if you are not flavoring other people's lives. What good is it? You're just going to be thrown out and trampled by people's feet. It's worthless. You're to be a flavor to other people's lives. Do you do that? Ask yourself that question. Because listen, you can't have and you can't do what you don't have. Do you do that? If you're being honest with yourself, do you bring flavor to other people's lives? Do you bring, listen, and let me, let me say something. Let me say something. I'm not talking about fake flavor. I'm not talking about that. Does anyone know those people that you know they're full of it? Because they're too sappy and too sweet? Does anyone know anybody that's so cheerful and sappy that you don't trust them? How about that? Or or listen, you are to be genuine flavor to people's lives. Your co-workers, your husband, your wife, your kids, your friends, your teachers, kids. You're literally on and on and on, you're to be flavor for other people's lives. That's what he's saying. You are to be salt. You are to pull out the flavor. You're to be flavor to other people's lives. The truth of the matter is this, and I want you to think about this. If what Jesus is saying and what he taught is true, think about this for a second. If what he's saying is true and you truly believe what he says, and I do, If you truly believe what he says, you should be jumping for joy every single day. If you believe what he says, and you believe that you are never going to taste death, then you should never fear it. If you believe that you will live an eternal life, and that this is just a momentary thing, but that in eternity there's going to be perfection, and you're going to be with him, and you're going to be living a new life in a new body with with the same kind of relationship that Adam had with Jesus before the fall, if you believe that, you should be jumping for joy. If you believe that, you should be flavoring other people's lives with that truth. If you truly believe that, if you truly believe what Jesus said, then you and I have no excuse if you truly believe it. I think a lot of people truly want to believe it. I think a lot of people truly want to believe it. And I think a lot of people believe it with their heads, but they don't believe it with their heart. I think that. Does that mean we don't struggle? No. But we're honest about our struggles. Does that mean that we never have problems? No, but we're honest about our problems. Does that mean that we are never angry? No, but we anger and and we don't sin. Does that mean that that life is going to be a bed of roses? No, it's probably going to be more difficult. I told you earlier that it's difficult. Following Jesus is difficult. That's what it means. Does that mean that we don't have to go through trials? Does that mean that we don't mess up? No, no, no. What that means is, is that your perspective on those trials is different. Because you know that in the end, you have eternal life. That's what it means. That's what it means. I've only been to a few funerals where there's a celebration. Very rarely have I been to funerals where there's a celebration. Very rarely. Listen, celebrate at my funeral. Throw a party. Hoop and holler. Wear flip-flops. Act out. Do whatever you want to do. I encourage you to do that. Celebrate. Listen, man. It's all good. See each other again. It's all great. I encourage you to do that. We bring life to the world. Here's the third thing. We light the way. We light the way. You know, there's a lot of people that I've met in my life that have light. They are lights for other people. At a church that I was student pastor at, there was a family that was struggling and going through a hard time. And I knew that family was struggling and going through a hard time. And this is not the only time this has happened. I've actually, I've actually seen that at this church, by the way, this example, too. But there was a family that was struggling and going through a hard time. And I knew they were going through a hard time. I knew they were. But, man, I tell you what, they were a light. And I knew they were alike. And I was watching them go through a hard time. I talked to their kids about it. I saw them. And there was another family in the church that was also struggling. And sitting in a meeting, in a staff meeting, it was shared that the one family that was struggling, that was super light to everybody, had reached out and helped the family. That was struggling. Two people struggling, and one helps the other. I've seen that here. Can I tell you what that is? That is genuine light. That is light. You know what that is? That is God, no matter what I'm going through, no matter what I'm going through, I can trust you so much so that when it looks stupid to give to somebody else, I'm going to do it anyway. That is light. I recently went to Maine. My favorite thing to do in Maine is to go visit lighthouses. I love going. I've been up there twice, and I love going to these lighthouses. We went to small ones. We went to large ones. We went to famous ones. We went to ones that were not so famous. I love going to lighthouses. Do you know what lighthouses are for? Do you guys know what lighthouses are for? Lighthouses, one, warn of danger. They warn ships of danger. They're saying, hey, over here. Rocks below, brother. Don't come over here. Go that way or go that way. But if you get closer to this, you're going to be in trouble. That's what the first thing a lighthouse is does. Also, a lighthouse allows ships to see where they're going. They light the way. That's what they do. And the third thing is they act as almost like a GPS for ships to let them know which direction to go. You want to be light to somebody? Warn them of danger whenever you see something in their life. Warn them whenever you see something. Let them know, hey, you keep going down this path, it's going to be rocks. It's going to get ugly. Don't do that. Don't come this way. Go that way or go that way. Hey, listen, I know you're struggling right now and I I know that you're having a hard time, but let me say something to you. This is what God says, and light the way for them. Show them the direction to go and light the way, just like a lighthouse. That's what lights do. You see, salt brings flavor to people's lives, and light gives godly counsel and directs them the way to go. And that is what Jesus is talking about when he says, You are salt, and you are light. That's how I want people that follow me and are part of my kingdom to act. So quit being a sourpuss and help people. I added the last part. He didn't really say that. But I think that's what he would say. Do you truly believe that what he said is true? Does your action say that you believe what he said is true? If not, I want to encourage you to line up what you believe with what he says and line those up with your actions. And from this day forward, move forward knowing that what he said is true. Be salt and be light. Let's pray. God, thank you for your word. Thank you so much today, God, for the message that you gave me. Uh, and Lord, I needed to hear it more than anybody here. I needed to hear this today more than anybody here. Uh, I don't want I don't want my life or people's lives here um, to be a clanging gong or a cymbal like you say in in a, in Corinthians 13. I don't I don't want that. I don't, I don't want uh, our lives here to be something that is not um, glorifying you that is not highlighting your greatness, that is not pointing the way. And so, God, I just pray that you would allow us to be salt and to be light. I know for a fact, God, that there's people here who are struggling. I know there's people here that are holding things and they're holding on to them. My prayer today is that they would come up to this altar and let them go and let him go. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to tell you guys something. It's very difficult. Listen, it's very difficult. I, I don't know if you guys ever, um, you guys ever seen one of those flavoring things where they have like, you know, I, I, sometimes my dad would do this sometimes. Um, when, he would, when he would cook a, like a piece of chicken or a steak, my dad would put a little bit of salt on it and then he would put like garlic powder or something like that and that garlic man would overrun that that salt and all I would taste it was like garlic chicken that's what there was no salt to it it didn't pull out the flavor it changed the flavor to something else are you with me and so I want to tell you today if you're dealing with things today if you're carrying things today a lot of times what that does is is it over, overpowers the salt in your life. It overpowers your great attitude. It overpowers you loving people unconditionally. It overpowers because you're too busy dealing with this particular thing. Today is the day that you can bring that up to the altar and lay it here. You don't have to deal with it anymore. You can lay it here. You can, you can come up here. There's nothing magical about the altar. It's just a symbolic thing where you're saying, Christ, I'm leaving this here. And I promise you after you guys all leave, I'll pick up every bit of it and I'll go throw it in the dumpster. They come tomorrow morning. It'll be sitting in the dumpster tonight. They'll pick it up and they'll throw it in the landfill and it'll be burnt up where it deserves to go. Don't leave here today the same way you came in. Don't leave here carrying those burdens. Let's stand up and let's sing. If there's a decision to be made, come forward. I'll pray with you. We got other people here that'll pray with you as well. Let's sing. Thank you for listening to the podcast of Real Church Coweta. If you have any questions or if you would like to contact us at Real Church, please go to our website at www.realchurchcoweta.com and click on the Contact Us tab. We invite you to join us on Sunday at 11.15 a.m. at the Worship Center on the campus of Central Christian School in Sharpsburg. Also, check out our website or Facebook page for directions. Until next time, God bless, and remember to love God, love others, and live real.